0: You know where
1: you are. This is Appetite for Distortion.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando. Episode 68. How did I get the 68 episodes? Endless hours of talking about Guns N' Roses. I should say I should get a girlfriend, but I have one, so I guess I'm just a weird, weird. like I'm the weird kind of loser, Graham. I don't know. Like I'm still a nerd, even <laughs> though I get girls. I don't know. It's I, I live this weird duality life uh so yeah well i so you know who i'm talking to to the listener uh graham whitford is our. you're going to be our not only our guest for th- uh, today but our co-host as well so uh graham whitford from tyler bryant and the shakedown so before i get into more of my shtick you could say hi
1: hey hey thanks for having me
0: i like that that was a little bit of a, a crusty hey, hey. <laughs> you're like a, hey hey
1: hey <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: man 68 hours that's or about right. I mean, 68 episodes, 68 hours.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of them have gone more than an hour, uh, which is sometimes you just get involved in a conversation. Like when I had, uh, well, a Brain on uh, the drummer Brain, who was during the Chinese Democracy era, or or oh, Alan, yeah, yeah, or Alan Niven uh, conversations, the the former uh, GNR manager. Those go long. I mean, I try to keep it to an hour. I don't want to keep you here uh, so long because I know you, you said off the air that you're going to have to go to Tyler's house uh, to write some music. So that's a little bit more important than my silly, silly little podcast. Uh, but I don't know. People listen to it, you know. I wouldn't be doing 68 episodes if it wasn't for all the the, the wonderful feedback and the thousands of listeners from all over the the globe, which is just great because I'm I'm based here in okay. New York City, and you're going to be well. You've been all over the globe as it is, but you're going to be opening up for. For GNR in countries I've never been to, and we have listeners in, in Denmark and Sweden. Uh, so very a,
1: cool. Yeah, we're playing Sweden for the first time. So a couple of places we're playing for the first time. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you that, and I will ask you that later on because I don't because I know you're like a newer band. You're not brand new, so I don't I just don't know what your your tour has been like, your tour schedule prior to doing these these dates. So we'll get to that. But since you're uh, my co-host for the day. Um, well end guest I don't have to over explain it uh, this is another one of my uh, silly sound bites that I have and we do something okay. or we try to do something at the beginning uh, that's called you know because it's news and the, the Gino has a song called uh, shotgun blues so I kind of made this shotgun. news yeah Graham I don't know if uh, Tyler warned you about <laughs> about like <laughs> what I, <laughs> But I do, I, I can't help it because podcasts are usually just like two people talking and I don't know about you. Unless it's like Neil deGrasse Tyson, I just can't listen to other people talk. I know it's weird because I have a podcast, but I try to break it up. <laughs> I just try to break uh, it up and make it, it like a radio. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you know, like a radio morning show, not too Z morning zoo wacky, but kind of keep it structured a little bit. So um, this week I've been kind of and I try to keep this in real time, even though it's recorded. Uh, but this week has been pretty crazy because I've been doing these episodes like once a week. So the 68 episodes have been happening almost two years now. Uh, but this week, I, I, it's just been crazy. It's been two thus far. So I got I to thank, uh, once again, James Hunting, um, who was in a band with West Arkeen. Uh He co-wrote a lot of songs with, uh, with Axel and, and Guns N' Roses for Appetite. And we just got uh, uh, some great uh, West Arkane stories from, from James. Uh, and uh, yesterday... I mean, I gotta thank Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball. Uh, I don't know how old you are, um, Graham. I mean, I'm 34. I caught. I was. I grew up with Headbangers Ball. Maybe not during like the, the beginning, but I grew up with Ricky Rackman. So I don't know. Are you familiar with uh, with who he is? I'm actually not. No, but now I'm gonna check it out. See, it's funny because he said, "Well, Headbangers Ball." When MTV used to play music and they actually used yeah. to play like rock music and metal music so his show would break bands like Slayer and Pantera um, oh, wow. okay. back in the day or perhaps and even said this cuz he doesn't really talk about headbangers ball too much he said in the interview that a lot of people just know him from uh, Brett Michaels uh the, the Rock of Love bus the that show
1: uh, Oh yeah I remember that yes
0: <laughs> so somebody yeah. he would co-host uh, he would host like those after I don't watch reality shows but like sometimes they have like the I don't know. Let's let, let's reflect on the debauchery that was this season, and they have all like the girls on stage, and somebody's hosting it. Exactly. Right. So he did that. So that was that was a a really uh, cool episode, sixty seven. Uh, so I guess I want to say thanks to that, and of course to Alternative Nation, who who puts out articles about our our episodes and tra- takes the time to to transcribe. So I really appreciate that. And you would think like a news segment for a band, it's not like it's sports where something happens every day wouldn't be prevalent but in right now in the Guns of Roses world it is because yesterday uh they played Shadow of Your Love for the first time in I think 30 years I'm, I'm not sure like you know wow. if you're doing that your GNR homework or if you're just gonna go play the gig but I'm sure you heard about that box set right that they're, they're putting out
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: yeah so that was the <laughs> single release from the box set and now they're playing it live and I don't know if they've played it live since they were Hollywood Rose I mean maybe they have but it was few and far in between
1: yeah and didn't they also play i saw they played slither
0: yes yeah uh, mm-hmm. yeah yesterday i think they so did
1: I, had, I hadn't heard them do that one yet
0: that, that was the second time they did it so as you know today's date again i know it's a podcast but i try to be in real time it's uh june 7th and th- it's the second time that they played it and, and it sounded better i know there was a lot of uh not to be punny because i know they have that song uh but there was a lot of you know clamor online about how it didn't sound tight it sounded off but people were happy that they played it but this time around I guess I mean I'm sure you with your songs even though it maybe not I don't know how many covers you do in your set I don't know sometimes you have to work it out on stage you can only do it in practice so often right
1: oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah I mean uh you know our band is uh minimal a minimal rehearsal band so a lot of stuff gets worked out on stage we just we try to rehearse and we only end up rehearsing for you know at the most an hour and then we're like okay we're done
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you like that cuz i'm wondering cuz you know it may maybe like your your thing uh with tyler uh and just like that's just how it, it it works out with your specific group but i don't i don't know like you would think with a a band like gnr that has a bigger catalog that they may need to practice certain songs cuz they you know, they have like 30 songs in their set list.
1: Oh, yeah. I I, I would say for them, you know, I would say if, if it was, uh, you know, in the future and we had a lot more songs, it would probably be a lot more necessary to put in the hours rehearsing just because, you, you know, I mean, like my dad, you know, I'll ask my dad how to play, you know, uh, how does this part from this, you know, that one Aerosmith song, you know, you guys recorded in 1975 go and he'll go, ah, I, you know. But it's one of those things when he gets together with the band, it just kind of comes out and he remembers
0: it, you know, in real time. <laughs> hmm. So let's get to that. I mean, that's enough of the, the shotgun news. And I want to I want to talk to you. I'm eager to talk to, to you because speaking of your dad. So are you from Boston where Brad Whitford, of course, from Smith, for those who who don't know, is that where you're, you're initially from from Boston or Baston? Yep. Born
1: and born in Baston.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> In the city or any, like, the surrounding suburbs?
1: Oh, I was born in the city, and then I grew up about 45 minutes south uh, on the South Shore in a town called Norwell, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, And I lived there for about nine years, and then we moved a couple towns over to Marshfield, Massachusetts, which we kind of lived right on the summer street, right, you know, kind of where Joey Kramer and Stephen Tyler and my dad, we kind of all lived within a mile of
0: each other on this one street, um, so yeah, that's, uh, um, that's cool. Cause I used to do radio in, in, in Cape Cod. And so I'm, I'm a little familiar with, with Baston. So I, you know, I'm asking you and I love, I love the city of Boston, even though I'm, I don't know if you could tell from my, my accent, I'm a New Yorker, you know, my family's from Brooklyn. I, I live on Long Island, you know, I work in the city now, but I got my first radio gig up in, uh, for Pixie 103, you know, Cape Cod's rock. And I would I would often often go up to uh to Austin, uh, the Stoughton, uh, of course Boston. You know walk uh you know check out uh, Havid Yad. and and just like a, yeah. a, a, a great scene there. That's what I always I, I liked about Massachusetts. It's a great rock scene, a lot of rockabilly, a lot of punk rock. Uh, so then, like I guess is it an obvious question where you got your musical influences from? Like is it straight from your dad? Were you were you you know, force-fed Aerosmith since you were, you know, a kid in your in your cradle, or did you just, you know, you you went on out on your own and with your friends and whatever you guys were listening to?
1: Man, you know, I, you know, most people kind of have that story of, you know, when they were, you know, six or seven, they, you know, someone gifted them a record or something, and it blew their minds. And I guess like from an early age, you know, I mean, literally ever since I can remember, I mean music was really all I knew and um, you know I never I never kinda had that oh I wanna be a doctor or fireman or something like that. I mean my dad got me a drum set when I was three years old and I started banging away on the drums and uh, I just I loved music. I mean it was really all I knew and, and um, you know I I, I guess I like to, you know, play drums in front of people too, you know, I had a drum set in my in our basement And uh, I would just invite people downstairs and say, come, come watch me play drums. And I would just sit there, you know, I'd get together with my dad and, and, uh, you know, we jam, we jam or, you know, sometimes play some Aerosmith songs and stuff like that. So, you know, it was really just like kind of organic for me. I never really thought much about it
0: it just kind of was it's interesting that you say drums though why not guitar it's not like your joey kramer was your dad unless maybe you know they're not telling you something but you look like your dad so i guess the-
1: yeah no yeah i think uh i don't think joey's my dad uh, but uh <laughs> but uh yeah you know i don't know I, i've actually never asked him why they got me a drum suit but um they had bought my older brother. I have an older brother, Zach. He's nine years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And they'd got him a drum set when he was a kid. And he played for a bit. Um, he, he's a professional photographer. Uh, so he never really uh, went down the music road full on. Um, but so, you know, I, I don't know why exactly they got me a drum set, but I loved to play the drums. Like, it was, it's, it was just my favorite thing. And I, I played the drums, you know, pretty regular regularly until I was about, you know, 10 years old, hmm. um, 10 or 11. And then I actually moved to New York city then. Um, well, actually when I was about 13 and, uh, I could no longer have a, uh, drum set in my house cause I lived in an apartment and it would be too loud. So I just kind of naturally uh, picked up the guitar.
0: Hmm. All right. That's that's interesting that that wasn't forced upon you and you kind of just gravitated towards it. Did you even growing up playing the drums? Did you want to, I mean, I you were still young, so I don't even know if you had this thought process, but that you could play with your dad in any respect, like you could start a band with your dad, you know, so to speak.
1: Yeah. You know, I like, I don't really think I ever thought anything like that. Um, I don't even know if I thought Yeah, the better. I just knew I wanted to be a drummer. That's all I knew at at, at that age. I was like, I want to play drums forever. You know? (laughs) I didn't think about what, you know? I mean, because when you're a kid, I guess you don't really think about. Well, some kids do, but I didn't.
0: (laughs) No, sure. I got it. I gotcha. Well, maybe the better question is did you realize, like, who your dad was? Or was he just always dad? You know, because Aerosmith. He
1: was kind of just dad. Um, You know, I never really thought. Wow, that's cool. You know, it was just he was just my dad, and you know, I knew he was an Aerosmith, and uh, but I I never really, you know, I was never really like
0: mesmerized by that. It just kind of was what it was because it was it was all I knew, really. Even like what in in, in school, because Aerosmith is one, are, are one of those bands that you know everyone has like a T shirt of, and they've 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 crossed so many decades. It's not like you're wearing a credence uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival shirt, you know, you yeah. know, like, yes, I love CCR, but they're not, they haven't been relevant for a long time. Aerosmith is still relevant, you know, especially for, you know, you growing up, and you know, with so many different decades. So I don't know if, if kids treated you differently or, you know, if they asked to come over to your house, you know, to, in the hopes of, you know, seeing Aerosmith and maybe just seeing Steven Tyler coming over for dinner. I don't know if things like that happened.
1: Um, Maybe maybe a little bit here and there, but, but not not so much. You know, I, I could kinda I think I was pretty good at, at being around people who, you know, just at least, you know, to my knowledge, just kinda, you know, like me for who I was and not you know, not who my dad was. But um but, you know, I um I always, you know I always liked, you know, I mean, like, I, I, going back to the drum thing. Um, you know, I I grew up going to shows, obviously, and and I was actually homeschooled for two years. Okay, what was your first um, show? Man, I don't, I don't know. You don't <laughs> I'm remember? not sure of my first. No. What was like, the first like show you remember?
0: Eric? Like, like, just in general, like, what was your first? Like, for me. Uh my first show was Eve 6. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I that's what I remember. That was my first concert. I mean, maybe if you want to go technically my first time going to a concert was seeing uh, the Ninja Turtles on uh, at Radio City Music Hall. Does that count?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. uh, the first the first concert that I the first Aerosmith show that I remember, I just have this weird memory. I I feel like I was really young cuz I was I I just remember being on my uh my grandfather's shoulders and, and watching Aerosmith, I, I feel like I was probably like three. It was just almost one of those images I have in my mind. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, I used to, I used to sit behind Joey Kramer's drum set almost every show and watch from there. Wow. And, uh, I would just watch Joey. Um, I, I, did, I guess I really wasn't interested in the guitar yet. So, you know, I could, could have, not have cared less, I guess. Um, I just wanted, I was just obsessed with the drums.
0: <laughs> I'm assuming your dad was supportive then, you know, uh because you just never know, you know, because that band, Aerosmith, had some, some difficult times, so it's like maybe, yeah, it comes with all the success and money, but there's a lot of, you know, ugliness and downside to being this famous or this lifestyle, being on the road all the time. Um, you know, of course, uh, drugs can be involved. So it, was it all supportive or, uh, was he, you know, worried trying to deter you to be like a dentist or something?
1: No, he, he was always supportive. Um, I guess the only, only time he, you know, maybe tried to encourage me to study music business in school, um, which I never ended up doing. Uh, I, 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 this is a little off track, but I went to Berkeley College of Music for a semester uh, before I moved to Nashville. Um, so I did. I did go back and spend some time in Boston again, which, as an adult, you know, and um, and that was that was special. Uh, but but I spent those uh, you know that one semester. I spent a couple, you know, two or three weeks going to Nashville to tour with Tyler. So uh, I flunked a couple classes at berkeley
0: mm. well you got in and that's what's important <laughs> yeah i actually played voodoo child by Jimi hendrix at my uh audition
1: there so that got me in <laughs>
0: oh. right on so um when i guess when you made the transition to from drums to guitar is that when you started to be involved in like in, in bands like you know how serious were you looking to get a band or were you just happy playing like what was the path there
1: That's kind of when I when I transitioned to guitar. That's when I kind of got more like serious about music. I mean, I always played music, and it was always always what I wanted to do. But I just never really thought like, you know, I guess when you get older, you kind of start thinking, all right, where's this going? Like, right, you know, people make careers out of this, and you know,
0: I had that thought about radio. uh, You know, I enjoyed doing radio, but I to be honest, I said to myself, I have to be full time in radio by the time I'm twenty eight. You know, not everyone's gonna be yeah. a Howard Stern. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm. I was in Cape Cod at the time, and I'm like, I gotta figure this out. And you know, not to, my story doesn't count as much as yours for this conversation. But you know, I, I finally got full time in radio when I was twenty eight and a half. So I'm like, all right, let's let's see where this goes. Well, that's awesome. So for you, when did you realize that you could do this for a living?
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, in high school, I started getting heavily into guitar. And, uh, you know, my dad turned me on to, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix and Steve Ray Vaughan and Freddie King and, and all these guys that w- really blew my mind. And uh, I that's when I really became ob- obsessed with the guitar. And um, I kind of started a band um, with a couple of buddies in high school that played. And I did the jazz band, um, which, you know, was okay, um,
0: but uh, you know it was it was a little messy. But um, so you're a band a geek? Of,
1: well, you know not so much.
0: And I say that lovingly, by the way, to all the band I geeks just, out there. I
1: just did it because it, it, it you know gave me an opportunity to go play guitar for a few hours during the school day. Um, but um, but I I started you know sort of the Graham Whitford band um in high school and i played some shows i actually lived um in new york i lived uh right next to don
0: hills which uh, i'm sure you're familiar with that venue which is no longer there that seems to be the case here in new york Uh, bb king's just closed you know yeah that's crazy i know i I (laughs) i just like after all these years i finally went like a couple months ago to see buckethead i'm like i love this venue and the next day, I get an email about it shutting down. So it's obviously my uh, fault.
1: Uh, you know, New York's New York seems to be uh, changing a lot. Um, I mean, at, at least since I was was there. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I was playing some 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 gigs around New York, and uh, and then when it came time to graduate high school, I had this whole idea that I wanted to take a year off to, you know try and learn how to write songs and, you know, sort of work on my band. Um, And I got a little discouraged by that because I I was, I didn't really know if I had a band, like a band that I really loved playing with. Hmm. Um, So I was like, you know, I I decided to uh, apply to Berkeley just, you know, to see if I would get in. And I did. And, and I thought, well, if I go there maybe I'll meet my band, you know? Ah. Um, and, And that was really kind of the, the driving force for me going there it was like, I want to meet people. I want to meet players and, and, uh, kind of, you know, learn how to write songs and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, it was actually the summer before Berkeley. Um, it was August. I got a message from Tyler cause we had become friends. Um, and he had a- asked me to go on the, if I wanted to go on the road, um, opening up for Ario Speedwagon and Pat Benatar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that was going to take me into my first week of school. I missed orientation. Mm. Um, and, uh, I just kind of literally, I got off the road and flew straight to Boston and, and started school.
0: How did you become friends with, uh, with Tyler? Like how did that come about before the, the band happened? I mean, this was the days um, before. It's not like you guys, uh, you know, friended each other on Facebook. That wasn't around at the time, I believe.
1: No, uh, it's kind of interesting. So, um, my dad um, has done several of the, I don't know if you know, about the Jimi Hendrix Experience, like, tribute tour that, yeah. that they do. Sure. Um, so, my dad did that for several, several years, and um, and they were doing... Um, so they were doing a tour and they were doing a show in Vegas and LA and I'm, I'm in high, I'm right, uh, smack dab in the middle of the school year and I get a call from my dad and he says, Hey, um, I've been talking to Johnny Lang who he played with, um, during the show. Okay. And, and, and he was like, you know, uh, uh would you want to come fly to Vegas and, um, and then travel to the LA to play the Greek theater, um, do these two shows, sit in with, with Johnny and I, and, and play a couple Hendrix songs. And I was like over the mood. I mean, it was like the coolest, <laughs> cool. It was going to be the coolest thing I had ever done really at that point. Um, and so I went and did that. And when I was in Vegas, I met this, uh, this rock photographer named Robert Knight and, um, he came up to me after I, after the show and he said, he introduced himself. He said, I'm a photographer. I shoot all the photos that you see on the front of guitar center. And, um, uh, do you know, Tyler Bryant, do you know who that is? And I, I said, the name sounds familiar, but, um, I'm not really sure. And he said, well, you should check him out. And, uh, so I did. And then about a year later, um, we had exchanged info. And about a year later, uh, he was in New York city and he reached out to me and he uh, asked if I wanted to do some photos, um, one morning. So I went and met him. I brought a guitar with me and, um, and we, it, we, we shot at about like eight in the morning. Um, just, you know, I think, um, I can't even remember where it was, but it was like, you know, some Brownstone in New York. We just did some photos. And then he said, after the shoot, he said, I'm, uh, I'm going to this radio interview with Tyler Bryant. Do you want to join me? Um, you can meet him. And I said, sure. And I had actually become, like, in that year after meeting him, I checked Tyler out, and I sort of became a fan. Like, hmm. I was really into the music, like, that he, was, uh, that he was making, and I thought he was a great guitar player, and um, I was really into it. So I was actually really excited about meeting him. Um, and we, it was a serious XM radio interview and I walked in with Robert Knight. Tyler had no idea I was going to be there. And I actually walked in with a guitar on my back cause I had it from the photo shoot. And, uh, and so Tyler initially I think was like really caught off guard. He's like, who's just, you know, young kid walking into my interview with a guitar. <laughs> you know, he was a little thread okay. and Robert Knight introduced me as this is the guy that's going to put you out of a job. And so it was like, nice. I think, you know. I was really, I was really nice and, and uh, excited to meet Tyler, and I think initially maybe he was a little apprehensive. Um, but we actually exchanged info, and um, I guess about a year after that, I did this Guitar Center King of the Blues competition. Have you ever heard of that? Sounds
0: familiar. Yeah.
1: It's it, Guitar Center. I don't know if they do it anymore, but um,
0: well, they're having their issues, so who knows what they're doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I did this competition, um, really just kind of for fun. And like the first, uh, the first round was at the the guitar center in, in the city and I won it. And then I went to play at the guitar center in Brooklyn and I won that and I kept winning it and I ended up going to the finals out in Los Angeles. And, uh, Tyler actually was invited by Joe Bonamassa to come and play. Oh, wow. Okay at that at the event, and actually he was one of the judges huh. as well. Um, so I didn't end up winning uh, because there was me and this other kid, Josh, Josh Gooch, and uh, he was about my age, and they ended up giving it to this guy uh, named Kirby Kelly, who's actually a friend of Tyler's, but he played two slides at the same time. Um, so they gave it to him. But uh, Tyler and I really connected when we did that. And uh, it, it was about a few months after that that he invited me to go on the road.
0: So that's kind of how it happened. Oh, that's cool to be part of the shakedown.
1: Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't the shakedown yet. It was uh, okay. you know our first our first poster actually that we did on that tour. It said Graham Woodford special guest because I I think we just it was kind of a trial run. I don't know. Mm. I didn't know if I was going to love it, and I don't think they knew if it was you know going to be the uh, just temporary or what. That's fair. It gelled.
0: That's cool. It's like, what did you guys, like, what kind of music did you guys bond over? Because, I mean, I don't want to keep saying like the obvious thing could be Aerosmith, especially since a lot of their music, Aerosmith's, is is, is bluesy. And you guys play bluesy rock. It's not Aerosmith, but you can hear the influence, of course. And then, you know, I don't need yeah. to tell you Tyler's background, but for those who haven't listened to his episode, I mean, A, you should. Uh, B, I mean, is the fact that that guy, What did he meet, like, B.B. King when he was 16, you know, and B.B. invited him on the bus? Like, that was just one of the coolest stories ever because I'm just such a huge... Yeah, he
1: said, don't do drugs, which I'm sure...
0: Yeah, it was like, you know, don't do... Just, uh, you know, stay with, uh, you know, keep to the music and keep to the women, but don't do drugs, something like that. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That's amazing. Good advice. advice. No, that is amazing advice. So, I mean, I I love B.B. I'm glad I was able to see him uh, once um, when he was 86, uh, he came out in a in a wheelchair, but then sat on a throne with Lucille. So I mean, you know, to have been knighted by someone like that. So and now I'm getting off on of a BB B. King uh, tangent. So like, what kind of music yeah. did you uh, bond over? Because of course, yeah, this is a Guns and Roses podcast, and they're very bluesy as well. So yeah, I don't know if they were an influence or what other you know uh, bands influenced you guys to bond over. Um,
1: you know, we we bonded a lot. I think initially over like the Black Crows. Okay.
0: Um, I had Steve Gorman on. And,
1: um, oh yeah, man! Steve Steve's a friend of mine. He's an awesome dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a Fox Sports radio host. Who would have ever yeah. thought? Who would have thought?
1: I know, right? Um, we actually we went on his show one time a few years back. That was cool. Cool, good. Um, but um, yeah, you know the crows and um, I remember the first time I came to Nashville to hang out with Tyler. Um, you know, I I was. Uh, I wasn't really, I had never really become a fan of Tom Petty um, until I moved to Nashville. I met Tyler. He really turned me on to a lot of Tom Petty stuff I had never heard. You know, I knew the obvious, the obvious bigger songs. um, But, you know, he played me some stuff on our first drive around Nashville. And I said, who's that? And he said, it's Tom Petty. I said, this is Tom Petty. This is amazing. It was actually Wildflowers. I had never heard that record. Um, and, and that I, I became such a massive fan of Tom Petty at that point. And, um, um, so, you know, Tom Petty, Crows, um, you know, I mean, that was, that was kind of the thing I really liked about Tyler when I first met him is, is one of the first kind of things he asked me was like, what you know, are you into any new music? Like, what you know, I think he's really all about like, kind of. Getting turned on to new things, and uh, he turned me on to a lot of new things um, when we met. And um, you know, it's just—it's always kind of been, you know, hey man, have you heard this new song from this new band? And that's kind of—I feel like our relationship was kind of founded
0: on that, on music, really. You know. Well, you would like to think so. If you're going to be in a band, you know, you got to. But yeah. you never know. Like there, there could be like a you know you can sometimes like i guess with the guns of roses that's the best way to look. you you can look at like slash is very bluesy uh axel has a lot of like orchestral you know influence stuff being punk yeah, yeah, yeah. so you never know what the the mix of the band is going to be like so that's cool to know what the the mix at least between uh, you guys um you know was at least at the beginning of what would become uh, the shakedown. so do you remember maybe like your Like your first—I don't maybe not that one you were talking about when with uh, Graham Whitford as a special guest, (laughs) but like the first performance when you had as Tyler Bryant in the Shakedown.
1: Well, um, the first show I ever did with the band was at uh, the Ryman Auditorium here in Nashville, which is like you know one of the most legendary venues, um, I guess, kind of in the world. And uh, I didn't really realize at the time how legendary it was um until afterwards um but uh you know it was a couple years of the tyler bryant band before we made it the shakedown okay um i you know i remember um you know tyler coming over one day and said hey man i think i think we need to make this more like a band like tom penny and the heartbreakers because like you know you guys are really sort of crucial to to what what this is um And so we kind of we changed the whole the whole setup and and made it a band Uh, rather than, you know, initially we were me and Caleb and the old bass player Calvin. We were, you know, paid like hired guns. Um, So when we did the shakedown, we switched that all around and and made it. And that kind of that kind of changed the trajectory of the band because, um, you know, we were all we all had a piece and we were all more invested at at that point you know so it kind of totally that's kind of really when the band um really started cooking i
0: think did your dad help you out with that at all as far as the business aspect of it
1: um you know not really um is he a um, hands-off dad because
0: it sounds like he really other than just giving you drums it's not like it sounds like he wasn't very overbearing
1: no yeah he wasn't um he was pretty hands-off you know um you know a a lot of like when I first started really getting into, into, guitar, um, I lived in New York city and my dad actually lived in North Carolina. So I would visit with him every, every couple months. So, um, you know, a lot of those years where I was learning the guitar, I was really learning it on my own. Um, hmm. and, and, you know, he, but his, his, his advice that he would give me and sort of the things that he would show me when I would, when I was with him were just really valuable. And I think one of the, one of the most valuable things was just when I would sit and watch him play. I I feel like I always learned the most just sitting and watching him. Um, and, uh, he was always just, you know, he would always just tell me to, to, to use my ears and, and to listen, you know? And, um, so, but, but he was pretty hands off. I mean, I, I did a lot of the, the business stuff. I kind of figured that stuff out on my own and, um, but he's a huge fan of the band. He's always been really supportive. Um, you know, he'd come to our shows and he'd say, "Man, that was one of the best fucking shows I've ever seen in my life." I'm like, "Dad, I mean, there's no way that's possible." But, I, but thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's got to make you feel good because I mean, Aerosmith has played every major show with every major band you could think of. I mean, they are uh, a yeah. list. They're an A-list band. A-list rock. Oh band, yeah. You know. So did that come with any? pressure for you because i i was fortunate enough also to interview uh london hudson that's uh slashes kid now he's oh, only wow. yeah his very first interview i mean i was very fortunate to uh to talk to him a really super kid uh sw- super sweet kid and also uh nico the guitarist so london wanted to be the drummer not to live in his dad's shadow so what was your thought because you i mean you like the drums as a young kid i mean we like a lot of things as a kid, you know, we like eating boogers or maybe that was just me. Uh, but like when you picked up the guitar, <laughs> I meant to, I meant to think that uh, when you picked up the guitar, was there any part of, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want people to think like, this is going to be like an Aerosmith kind of band or, cause I found it interesting. Cause I, it didn't even occur to me when I interviewed Tyler that he's like, I just want to say, and it came out of nowhere that we haven't gotten any of these gigs because of you know who uh, Graham's dad is, and it never even like occurred to me. So I, I mean, that must have been brought to someone. Must have said that to him once, or, or who who knows? I was like, I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, we we I mean we've had a couple, mostly just you know I mean we we, we played the show in uh, Rock and Rio, um, and uh, and there was a, it was actually when we were in South America. He may have told you this, but we were in South America with Guns and Roses and we got added on to this rock and Rio festival and the band, the pretty reckless, they canceled their show and we filled their spot. Um, And the pretty reckless fans were brutal. They were sending us all these hate messages and they were saying, you know, uh, you know, Aerosmith, you know, Brad Whitford or, or, you know, paid for the band to be added onto the festival and have Pretty reckless kicked off
0: and, oh, geez. you know, all
1: this stuff that, that, that people, uh, can assume.
0: Um,
1: so I think that that's probably where that came from.
0: Okay. Uh, Fans are weird, man. I mean, I've been learning that, oh, yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm a fan, so I'm weird. Uh, but not the, <laughs> the, the in, in the negative way. Uh, I'm not, uh, I don't the the loyalty. Some fans they come off so angry and brutal because there, there are some people that say the same thing about to, to London's band Classless Act or uh Duff's daughter's band Pink Slips. I mean, you know, you still have to perform, you still have to know what you're doing, and you know, you can't help like who your your, your dad is. And it's not that like that kind
1: of thing can only get you so far,
0: exactly. You know? um, and, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, do we really know? Uh, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, his uh, brother Frank, is he really also like a I don't know why that 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 popped in my head as an analogy, but is Frank Stallone really popular because he's he's Sly's brother. you know you, you hear of that all the time. I mean there are so many famous people have siblings siblings that don't amount to anything. So you have to yeah. or or sons or daughters or anything of that nature. So you still have to put up or shut up, you know. So um, that sucks. I'm sorry you, you went through that because I'm a fan. I know it's not the band's fault, Pretty Reckless. It's not like they were, you know, Taylor's like, oh, attack, attack. But it's, that's just, that just sucks that you've gone through that. So uh, I guess to go back to what I was saying before, it, that aside, you know, that experience aside, did you ever think of, like, I don't want to be in my dad's shadow. I want to be my own my own person, especially playing the same instrument, which London is yeah. not doing
1: yeah i never i never really went through that i mean my dad and i um you know have always had like a really good friendship and um we bond over over the same things you know we bond over guitar and amps and and uh you know i, I mean i guess I was actually thinking about this earlier before the interview um you know i like i said i used to go and and sit and watch Joey Kramer play. Um, I'd sit behind his drum set every night and I'd watch watch Joey. And when I got into – well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. I used to try and show up, like, early to the the sound check that Aerosmith did because every once in a while I would get the opportunity to play Joey's drum set, um, you know which was amazing and it didn't happen all the time, but, um, you know, but when I started playing guitar that transitioned into me sometimes getting to check my dad's guitar, uh, you know, his, which, which was amazing cause I'd never played anything that loud and it was just so cool. And, um, uh, there was this one time where I was, I was 15 and, uh, we were in Paso Robles, California and we, got to the show a little bit early and I went on stage and I was hanging out with my dad's guitar tech. And he said, you want to, you know, check your dad's guitar. And I said, sure. And, um, I put the guitar on played for a few minutes and then I look over to my right and Steven's walking towards me and he, he's like, Hey man, do you want to get up and play last child with us tonight? Wow. And I was like, uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, I was, I was like, I just kind of said, yeah, but I didn't really think about it. And, um, and uh sure enough I ended up getting up and playing with the band that night. Wow. Um, and you were 15 you said, right? I was 15, yeah. And uh I had only really been seriously playing guitar at that point for like, you know, you know, 3 years maybe, 3 or 4 years.
0: Um We obviously had faith in you to do it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I was really I guess I was really shocked that he asked me. And um but I'll never forget when I when I played that night. I walked off stage and like, I almost felt like I was going to cry because Mm. I thought, I thought, wow, like that's what I want to do. Like that right there, like the feeling I had, like playing in front of all those people. I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, and that was the first time I kind of had that realization, um, and that's kind of the crazy thing about doing all these Guns N' Roses shows and, and stuff is an A C D C is is I'm sort of I'm getting to play in all those these kind of venues that my dad plays in. So um like last last year uh we did um we were out doing some shows of Guns N' Roses in Europe and we ended up getting on some Aerosmith shows which was also a funny thing because I actually told my dad about a couple of those. I said, Hey dad, you know, we're doing the show in, in, you know, Switzerland with you. And he said, no way. Really? (laughs) He didn't even know. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't even, he didn't even know. Uh, um, So, but yeah. And and so getting to do that was surreal too, because it was like being on the road with Aerosmith was kind of like a second home for me.
0: Oh wow! Well, okay. um, sure.
1: So when I was there working, it was it was and there, there's all these people that work for Aerosmith that have, that are still there that have been there since I was, you know, a tiny little kid walking running around and um, so to get to to get to do that, um, but also be working, it was a really interesting kind of thing. Um, it was very cool, obviously, but it was just it was wild. It was surreal.
0: Yeah, that is a really interesting dynamic and super funny that your dad didn't even know, you know, uh, because I guess I don't know who makes those decisions. Because when I asked uh, Tyler how you guys initially were introduced to GNR and got on that bill, you were first with ACDC, right? Uh, That's how that happened. And Axel, you know, I guess at the time when he broke his, his foot. And then it became Axel DC, well, unofficially Axel DC, and then I guess he just liked you guys, so it was Axel picking it. So do you know who picks the opening acts for Aerosmith? Because I I guess it's not your dad.
1: Um, Sometimes it's promoters, and, um, you know, I I don't really know exactly how it works for Aerosmith, but, um, you know, I think... I think the fact that we had done those Guns and Roses and ACDC dc shows maybe gave gave us a little more street cred and and that's you know one of the reasons we were able to get on some of those Aerosmith shows
0: cuz I would like to think whoever booked it you know whether if it was a promoter whether if it was Steven that they know it's Brad's son in the band unless the, yeah, I would I yeah. would like to think so I just funny I how that worked sure. out yeah Well that's that's too funny so was ACDC dc the first uh, like what was the biggest band like uh, that you opened up for? Because now you're you're just doing it religiously. And at the time when I interviewed Tyler last year, he didn't know. He's like, maybe we'll open up for GNR again. And obviously they love they love you guys, so you're on it again. Was ACDC yeah. the first band? Uh, that well, d- they
1: were the fir- the first really big band that we had opened up for. I mean, like I said, we had done some show, a lot of shows with REO and right, okay, FNR sure, and. Um, you know a handful of other like sort of classic bands um um and then we even did some just very oddball tours like opening for country bands um which w- wasn't right but it it happened um and it and it and it helped pay our rent and stuff like that but um uh yeah acdc was definitely the first big band we played for um before and You know, it's funny you say that because I remember the first time we went to Europe with ACDC when Axel was singing for the first time. Uh, I remember standing and ACDC had just gone on and I was standing side stage with, with Tyler and he looked at me and he's like, hey man, like we may never do anything like this again. I mean, this is pretty rare that bands get to play in like places this big and like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, and I I'd never really thought about that. And I was like, shit, he's right. Like, this could be the only time we ever do anything like this. You, know, you never know. Right. And, uh, and you know, here we are, like, two and a half years later, we're getting ready to go do it again. So it's just sort of, sort of one of those pinch me things.
0: Hmm. Did you get to spend any time with uh, ACDC and or Axl and or GNR um, during those tours?
1: Yeah. I mean, we got to – we got a, a good amount of face time with, with Angus and – um and, uh, and the band and man, they're just such sweet guys. Angus is such a nice, nice person. And, uh, he's very, very quiet and really funny sense of humor. But, you know, he's, he's like this tiny little guy. <laughs> Uh, off stage and then he puts on his guitar in that outfit he's like a giant on stage it's really kind of a strange thing to witness when you actually stand there talking to him. He's real small
0: (laughs) (laughs) makes me feel better because i'm only five six but i know he's shorter than that yes yeah yeah he's oh man five two or something like that oh wow yeah that's pretty short well it's worked for him thus far
1: and uh you know i had uh I had met Slash a couple times over the years with my dad, and I just, you know, I just always remember um, how nice of a guy he was, just, just a sweet, sweet person. Um, And so, you know, the first time we, Tyler may have told you this story, but the first time we did a show with um, with Guns N' Roses in Cincinnati, I think um we bumped into slash and and he was like i i actually have your guys's record in my car i love your band and um i don't think he had he had realized who i was at the time um but then the next time i saw him he was like man like uh i think he had actually seen my dad since then and and sort of talked about the fact that we were on tour with them and he was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you at first. You know, I didn't realize who you were. Um, because, you know, it was, it was very... Uh, that's great. It was a sort of quick conversation that we had initially. Um,
0: well, that's good. That means he wasn't, like, sucking up or anything. He's like, here's this random dude in this band, and I like him.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That that was that was the other cool thing about it. Um, he he had no idea. Um, I don't even know how he has or had a
0: record in this car, but... I thought that was really neat. He bought it. I uh, guess some people still do that, buy records. Yeah,
1: I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, and then uh, and Axel is is has always been really really nice to us as well. And I'm sure Tyler told you that the first time we spent some time with him, he referred to us as the as the first opening band that he wouldn't have to ignore. Uh, yes,
0: he did say that. Uh, I wonder the deeper meaning in that, but that's, regardless of what the deeper meaning may be, that's quite a compliment. Yeah. And uh, and you guys are going to be doing, uh, you know, not only opening up for them uh, next month, because I tried again, keep this in real time, even though the conversation is forever. Uh, but you're going to be playing with uh, Rival Sons, right? And also uh, Volbeat? and yeah. And Ghost? I mean, Ghost is huge. Yep. So have you played yeah, with any of yeah. these bands before? Like, or is this going to be a, another new experience?
1: The, uh, we've played with Rival Sons. They're some really, really good friends of ours. Jay, the lead singer,
0: actually lives
1: uh, here in uh, Franklin, Tennessee now, which is right down the road. So we go over to his place for uh, dinner sometimes and stuff like that. So that'll actually, we're really excited about getting to do that because it's sort of like going out there with our buddies and, and playing, getting to play in front of Guns N' Roses. Um, but uh, Volbeat and Ghost
0: are, are going to be new experiences for us, so I'm really excited about that. I mean, I can't even imagine. I know Volbeat, I think they're from Sweden or Denmark or something like that, so that's going to be mm-hmm. a homecoming for them. But but Ghost, yeah. I mean, that's a band I, I have to see. I mean, there there isn't much theatrics now in, in, in rock and roll, and they're just everywhere. I didn't even... Honestly... I didn't even realize that the uh, Ghost is opening up for GNR until just now. I just had been looking at the schedule and just been, oh, what what are the dates with Tyler Bryant? And just, I don't know. I just Ghost for some reason I glossed over that. I don't know how. So that's a uh, yeah. That's 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 quite a uh, that's an insane bill. And then to have that closed down with a uh, with GNR. Have you um see? Had you seen GNR uh, prior to being on tour with them? You know, maybe when you were younger. I, I hadn't. No, that was your no. first time.
1: Well, I mean, you know, maybe when I was, uh, real young, um, but I don't remember. Okay. Um, cause I'm sure I was around, um, some of those, uh, well, I don't even know when it was that GNR opened for harrowsmith Um, was that ver- very early nineties? Yeah. A, early nineties. Yeah. So I may have been around, but I don't remember. So it was really my, my first time seeing them and I was uh, it was in
0: Cincinnati and I was, I had so much fun watching them. It was so cool. Where did you yeah. watch them from after your set? Wait, did you go on the site on side I stage? Actually, or?
1: So we had, um, uh, we're, you know, we're not too far from, from Cincinnati. So we had a bunch of like our, our family and friends drove up for the show and we, they, we had gotten them, we had had like 25 comps and we gave them to a bunch of our friends and family, like my mom was there, and my my girlfriend, and and some friends, and so they had seats. So I went and stood with them, and actually got to watch GNR from from some
0: seats. So that was really cool. Right on. That is uh that is so cool, and the fact that again you're you're on tour with them again because it doesn't seem like GNR is consistent with opening bands. Like I I like how they're you know eclectic with who they they've they've chosen on this uh not in this lifetime tour, but not too many yeah. repeats. So I, I was. Pleasantly happy to see that you guys were were do, uh, doing the tour again because you know I had listened to a recent interview with uh, with Tyler or maybe he said it in a, in a tweet but you know I I found you guys through Guns N' Roses because unfortunately you're not really played on the radio and and today yeah. it's you know rock radio is just weird so it's not even like mm-hmm. it's it's a slight to your music it's just they have this you know pull you know very short list of bands that they play even the classic bands. And it's just on in rotation. That's why a lot of people are going to streaming services now and just finding their own way. So, you know, thanks to Guns N' Roses, now I'm a Tyler Bryan fan. I don't know if I would have found out. I mean, later on, I'm sure I would have found out about you guys, but because of GNR, I know who you guys well, are.
1: Yeah, that's the cool thing about about getting to do this is is just um, you know, getting our chance to uh, to win over some new fans in a big way. You know, and um, I think. You know, I mean, it's, I know it's tough, you know, being an opening act. I mean, not everyone's there yet. And, you know, people are getting their beers and, and, you know, for the most part, we're just, um, tiny ants on stage, you know, cause we, we don't always get the full, um, video screens or anything like that. I mean, it happens on occasion. Um, but, uh, so, so it really, we really have to work for it. Um, because, you know the you know the for a rock show, especially for a big rock show in a stadium, I feel like the lights and video um, add a lot to the experience. Um, and when you don't have that, uh, it's a little bit harder to 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 get everyone involved so it's it's a lot of work, but it's a fun challenge and and, and it's honestly made us a better band, I think um, you know. Having to figure out you know what really works, what songs work, you know transitions and um you know things like that that just you know playing in front of those big audiences, you want to win over as many fans as you can, and you want to have people put their fists in the air and 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 sing along and stuff like that um but when you know no one knows your music um you know it's it's a challenge but it's fun you know and then i get excited talking about it because we're about to do it again you know
0: i just got a message this morning uh from this uh fan of of this podcast saying you know i saw gnr back in the motley crew tour when they toured and he's like i didn't know who gnr was at the time i went from motley but i left being a guns and roses fan so that's yeah that's how that happens you know yep, totally that's so cool. So I know uh, you're on break now. I know you you have to go and, and whether play uh, rehearse with Tyler or I don't know. I was going to try to think of something funny, like play part but I'm probably better off not saying anything. Uh, but you, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I'm not going to keep you here too much longer. But so what, now you're on break. So what is what are the plans? Because I I probably should have put this part of a uh, GNR news because I know you are pushing your single off the off the new album. Uh, here's a little bit of a. Uh, backfire i mean it's such an awesome awesome song so what are, what are the plans oh, for for tyler bryant and the shakedown uh, going forward and of course in addition to these dates opening up for for guns and roses
1: yeah so we got um we got the month-long european tour coming up um we got five shows with Guns N' Roses, uh, the final one being Iceland, which uh, wow. was was a really, you know, we had only originally gotten the four shows. And then we got an email that said, hey, they want you to do Iceland. Um, and, and we're actually
0: direct support on that show. So it'll just be us and, and Guns. Um, That's going to be massive. That's their first Iceland show ever. It's going to be the biggest, it's I think f- I read, the biggest show ever in Iceland's history, right? I
1: read that as well, yeah. Wow. Um so just crazy and um, all these, you know, places we're getting to to, to go and uh, that I feel like I wouldn't otherwise go to. Um and then uh and then we come home and we're do we're going out with the with the band clutch for uh okay. a, a month or so. We're doing some shows around the uh the US with them. And um and then in the fall, I think the plan is to go in the studio and, and put out we'll make another record and then put it out, um, hopefully at the top of the year. Um, so, you know, we take these, uh, these couple weeks, we get off here and there to, uh, to try and write as much music as we can. Um, so that when we do get those sort of windows that open up, uh, we, we can go in and, and, and record. And, um, I'm not exactly sure how the, the recording process is going to go, uh, for this next one, but um, <clears throat> we've been writing some good songs, so I'm I'm pretty excited. You know, just trying to trying to make an even better record than the last one. So, uh,
0: you guys, the sky is the limit. You know, the, it's uh, aside yeah. from the fact that you seem to be blessed by uh, by Axel. You know that he he won't <laughs> ignore you guys, but you really have been. You know, I was really uh, blown away by Tyler's story and and also your story as well. How humble you you both come across. It's just so cool. You know, I wanted to see you guys when you were in New York last time, but I was invited down to go see Blind Melon, and I just wanted to. I'm like, I got to see Blind Melon. I mean, there. I don't know oh, how much. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not the you know the original, but. You know how often they get to be doing that, and I guess like my like Tyler Bryant the and Shakedown—they are going to be touring for a, a long, long time, many years to come. So yeah. I'm sure I'll have a another opportunity. So when when you are in New York again or Long Island, you know, please come down to the studio. I would love to to meet you and, and shake your hand.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man.
0: So what's the best way for fans to to follow and keep in touch with you? I know your um, what do you your uh, what's your your Twitter Graham at Graham Whitford, right?
1: I'm on Twitter at Graham Whitford. I'm not the the, the most frequent tweeter, um, <laughs> but I do. I I am pretty. Uh, I do post a lot on Instagram. My my um, Instagram account is actually Instagram
0: Whitford. Beautiful.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> See, and, and mine. Just so we have the same weird sense of humor. I'm Belbiv Brando on Instagram. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> See, <laughs> we like our puns. Good job.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, I know I, I realize people people say my name all day long.
0: You know, and they don't even
1: think about it. It's Instagram, you know. So I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, and then you know, obviously um, Tyler Bryant dot com has all our tour dates and stuff on it. So um, yeah, man. Cool. I think that's that's pretty much it, and we're on Facebook and all that stuff too. You know.
0: I appreciate uh, no, your time. And if if you have one, I guess got to ask: Do you have any funny? You don't have to be like so, like you know. I, I guess any funny. I can't think of another word. Uh, Steven Tyler stories. Anything? Maybe when he, you know, when you were seven, he gave you like an inappropriate gift under your birthday party. Anything weird, or has he just been always, you know, Uncle Steve? <laughs> I don't know how you, you know, how you think of him.
1: Oh, man, I feel like there's uh, got to be something. Um, Man, there have been so many. I mean, you know, those guys are, in a weird way, sort of always felt like uncles to me. Right. <laughs> All right, so I wasn't just being so funny, okay. I, I spent, you know, I, uh, you know, Stephen lived right down the street from us, um, like I had said, and uh, I, I, his son, Taj, was one of my best friends growing up, so I always spent a lot of time at their house, and, um, you know, so... I, okay, here's here's one funny thing. Um, I was attending the same school uh, as Taj, um, is a Montessori school right down the street from where we grew up, and... Taj and I were in a media class at at school and we had to make like a, a video or some kind of movie. Um, and we we decided to make this movie at at, at their house. And um, we wanted to make like a horror film, sort mm-hmm. of. And so we made this this movie where we're where we asked taj asked his dad if if he would be in the in the movie man it would be so funny if we could somehow dig this up (laughs) but uh but so we're basically they had this like really long driveway going up to their house and uh we were on a like a, a a mule like a gator type thing and we had Stephen dressed up in this like orange jumpsuit. It looked like he had just escaped from prison. Hmm. And we're driving along down this their long driveway, and we're having we're pretending to have a good time. And, and uh, I-, I was filming, and Taj is driving. And then all of a sudden, we see something in the road, and it's Stephen standing in his orange jumpsuit with an axe, <laughs> uh, pretending like he was going to come kill us. So.
0: Yeah, you gotta find, you gotta find that. That sounds awesome. I know, man. Jeez, it's who knows where that is. That's such a, uh, a uh, that. that's such a sweet, you know, dad thing to do. But the fact that it's Steven Tyler, I know it's Uncle Steve to you, and you know, it's yeah. it's dad to you. It's Brad Whitford to us. You know, actually, I was grateful to see your dad, uh, uh, Whitford St. Holmes. At a very uh, cool club out on, on, uh, oh, on Long man. Island. You yeah. know, I've
1: never seen a Whitford Saint Holmes show. I've missed. I've missed every chance.
0: Oh uh, well, hopefully yeah. they they continue to do it because it was it was really a really cool blue show. You know, rock show. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really cool. So, no, I appreciate your, your time, uh, Graham. You know, like I said, anytime, you know, you and Tyler or any of the band want to come on, you know, it's a, yes, it's a GNR podcast, but you're in the GNR universe. Uh, so that means yeah. you are, and this is the last sound soundbite I'll, I'll play for you, that means you are officially, bad apple. you're a bad apple. That's, you know, like how some listeners, you know, like how some radio shows like call their listener stuff or Lady Gaga has her, her little monsters. You know, so I have my my bad apples, people who are friends of the show. So you and Tyler are, are forever uh, bad apples. So I guess appreciate it. Oh,
1: man. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, it's, it's been fun, man.
0: Thanks so much, Graham, and I hope we can do it again.
1: Awesome, Brandon. Well, you have a good one, man, and I'm sure we'll run into you soon.
0: Sounds good. You take care. All right. You too, man. Later. Bye. Oh, so cool. Like, you just never know how, you know, Graham Whitford or London Hudson are, are going to be, you know, uh, children of, of famous people. It's like what they say about, you know, child stars. You know, are they going to grow up, you know, with pro- like drug problems because they just have access to all these things because of their parents. But, you know, just like London, Graham, super down to earth, super cool, super nice. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I as I did, you know, just uh, just awesome. So that pretty much does it for episode 68, Yarmiyager of uh, of the, of the AFD show. Uh, unbelievable, and that's again all thanks to you. I say it all the time, but I I, I mean it from the bottom of my my, my heart. So uh, please uh, help me uh, continue to. You Know getting more awesome guests, that's how this happens. You know, when, when people are like, Oh, you know, this who's this person, Brandon, reaching out to us wanting to interview? What's this? It, it's about, you know, oh, 60 something episodes. Look at all the people he's interviewed. That's all because of you. You know, I couldn't be here doing it without you. So please continue to follow and subscribe on uh, the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, Stitcher, um, SoundCloud, uh, still on iTunes. Um, be on the lookout for a possible YouTube channel. i got to find the time to, uh, to do that, but that's just going to mean you know more eyes and ears on the show and these conversations. And you're going to say that you guys were the original Bad Apples. Bad! All of you out there are the original Bad Apples helping me uh, build this show, of course, with, uh, with Scotto at the beginning of it. So uh, thanks so much. I believe the next episode is going to be a very cool one. Jimmy Ashurst from uh, Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds. I know he recently did an interview with uh, GNR Central, a very cool in-depth interview. So I'm going to try not to have the same conversation, you know, because um, there are a lot of different angles to uh, conduct an interview and different questions. So um, be on the lookout for that one. Yeah. And again, of course, uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the show or on Twitter at the AFD show. So, uh, until next time, well, when are you going to see that episode? In the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home.